Section 68 of A Fair Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gaby Cowan. A Fair Mystery by Bertha M. Clay. Chapter 68. Lord Viviane Proposes a Little Discussion. If I may take the liberty, said Lord Vivian, turning with his most amiable smile to Mrs. Brace, I should so much like to ask for a cup of tea. I was anxious to see your daughter, so did not wait to take any refreshments at the hotel. It is a great disappointment to me. Yes, said Mark quietly. It is wonderful how many disappointments we have to bear. The tea was prepared, and Mrs. Bray's heart was won by praise of the excellent tea. The thick cream, the fresh golden butter, and ripe fruit, woman-like, her heart secretly inclined to the handsome stranger whom Mark kept so sternly at bay. But where could he have possibly seen Doris? Mark saw symptoms of relenting in his wife's eyes under pretext of speaking to her about the milking and cheese he drew her into the larder now look here patty he said my word is past and i do not mean to break it i told the earl that no matter who came who asked or what was wanted doris's name and history should never be told and it never shall i am sure mark said his obedient wife this is a gentleman there can be no mistake about him gentleman oh there now my dear do not look so frightened i never swore in my life not even in the hottest of weather i am not going to begin now he may be a gentleman he is i do not deny that but it has nothing to do with the matter why does he come here to talk about Doris? What has it to do with him? It means mischief. He shall go away from here as wise as he came, no wiser. You are right, Mark, said his wife. That is a sensible woman, yet, added Mark, with a shrewd irony. The sight of his handsome face and the smoothness of his tongue may cause you to betray a secret you have promised to keep so you had better keep out of the room i will said mrs brace i have no more wish to talk than you have mark still he looks so wistful i will stay away that is the best woman in england said mark to himself as mrs brace closed the door after her then he returned to his guest he apologized for his wife's absence but lord vivian knew just as well as though mark had told him that she was gone lest she should be tempted to talk to him mattie wisely imitated her mother's example leaving her father alone with his guest what a grand old farm this is of yours said his lordship i never saw grounds in such fine condition mark had made up his mind to be urbane and polite but it was with some little difficulty he refrained from showing his contempt what does this lord know of farming above all 
Why did he want to flatter Mark Brace? I am rather pleased, said the visitor, drawing his chair nearer to the farmer, that I have a chance of talking quietly to you without the ladies being present. I wanted that opportunity. You have it, said Mark briefly. Yes, I have it, and will try to avail myself of it. I met, as I told you, Miss Doris Brace some time since, and I was deeply impressed by her, most deeply. Were you? Yes, and I resolved, if possible, to see her again. Mark sat silent. I quite believed at the time that she was your daughter, but I have heard a strange romance since. Terrible strange. May I ask, Mr. Brace, if it be true? No, my lord, you may not ask me, at least. I do not mean that you may ask what you will, but you must excuse me if I do not reply. The fact is this, if you ask as to the state of my farm, my balance, at the bank, my hopes of a crop, I will tell you, but when it comes to the ladies of my family, you must really excuse me if I distinctly and plainly refuse to answer one question concerning them. I am sorry to seem rude, my lord. But, like everyone else who saw him, Lord Vivian admired Mark Brace. He held out his white, slim hand to touch the farmer's sunburned one. There is no offence, Mr. Brace, he said. You are an honest man, and I shall think better of all other men for having seen you. If you decline any conversation on the matter, it is, of course, useless for me to offer any explanations. Quite useless, my lord, a waste of time. Then, thanking you for your hospitality, I may as well go, said his lordship with a smile. To which remark the farmer, not knowing what politeness required him to answer, made no answer at all. Although he was baffled, Lord Vivian could not feel angry. It would be a straightforward world, he said to himself, laughingly, if all the men in it were like Mark Race. Still, he felt that he had in some measure won a victory. He had found out that, in connection with Tories, there was something to conceal. He went to Quayton and took up his abode for the night in the castle hotel. There he fancied he should be sure to hear something or other. Nor was he mistaken. In the billiard room the conversation turned upon early Murray. They were very proud of him. They said that Lindenholm had given to England one of her finest poets. They boasted to each other of having known him, of having spoken to him. They talked of his election for Anderley. There had been no bribery, all had been open as the day. Yes, he had been returned almost without opposition. They spoke of Lord Linley's interest in him, and then one or two of the wisest among them told how he was to marry Lord Linley's daughter. The beautiful girl who, for some reason or other, had been brought up at Brackenside, it was impossible to keep such a secret quiet. Some few in Quainton knew, and others guessed it. 
Lord Vivienne listened without a comment. The veins in his forehead swelled, his face flushed a hot crimson flush, his hands trembled. It was a victory he had hardly expected to win. Then he muttered to himself something that sounded like a fierce oath. She shall pay for it, he said to himself. Madly as I love her, I will not spare her. When I have humbled her pride, I will worship her and marry her. Not until then. So it was she, all the time. She looked into my eyes without recognition. She dared me, braved me, laughed at me she shall suffer she is the most magnificent and dauntless creature i ever beheld she is grand enough for a charlotte corday a joan of arc by heaven how many girls would have come to me crying praying that i would keep their secret she laughs at me defies me i will repay her his whole soul was torn between passionate love and passionate anger at one time he felt inclined to weep at her feet to pray and beseech her to love him to be his wife at another time to feel that he must upbraid her with her perfidy her falsity her deceit which spirit would master him when he stood in her presence he hardly knew it would depend upon herself if she were defiant so should he be if she were gentle he would be the same of one thing he was quite determined do say what she might she should be his wife it would be a most dishonourable thing to threaten to hold her secret over her but if she compelled him he would do it no thought of pity came into his mind but he wondered much that news the news of her father's succession to the earldom and his return home must have reached her while she was in florence with him no one even knew where he was how then could she learn it it struck him that was the reason she had left him he had not thought of that before it was because this news came to her and she would not be found with him but who could have told her that was the puzzle someone must have gone straight from england to florence the more he thought of it the more he was puzzled he felt quite certain that on the morning he left her to secure her opera box and to purchase flowers for her she knew nothing of it he had left her by the riverside when he returned she was gone during that interval short as it was someone must have found her have told her and brought her to england who could that someone be not early surely not early her lover surely not he he would have been more likely to kill her than to bring her home if he had found her with me he said to himself he was keen enough but it never occurred to him that she had the skill to deceive early as well he returned by the early train to london he should be in time then he said to give her a morning call he smiled to himself as he thought of her confusion 
he reached hyde house when the earl and countess had just driven to a fashionable dejeuner and lady doris was left alone she desired it should be so she wanted time to arrange her thoughts to recover herself and they believing in her plea of fatigue had been quite willing to leave her she had made up her mind no matter what it cost her not to see lord vivianne again it would be easy to manage it she would decline all invitations on the plea of ill health and she would refuse to receive visitors at home strict orders had been given to that effect the servants understood that their young lady was tired and would see no one except as a matter of course mr murray she believed herself quite safe that morning early had promised to spend with her and they would arrange about their wedding and the honeymoon that was never to end she had dressed herself so prettily for early she went to the conservatory intending there to spend the morning with him she walked among the flowers singing in a soft low voice to herself it would all soon be over she should so soon be away from london where her terrible secret seemed to have taken bodily shape she should so soon be safe in her own home in linleigh above all she should soon be early's wife early's wife how he loves me thought the girl how true and good and noble he is my early then a shadow fell over the brightness of the flowers she raised her eyes believing it was he and they fell on the smiling face of lord vivianne for one instant she looked at him spellbound fascinated as one sees a fluttering bird charmed by a snake her heart gave one great bound he knows me she thought and he's come to tell me so how he gained admittance matters not how he bribed a servant who afterward lost his place for taking the bribe matters not he was there and in the contemptuous insolence of his smile in the expression of his face she read that no evasion would be of service to her still she did not lose her self-possession how did you obtain admittance my lord she asked imperiously oh dora dora i have found you did you really think you would deceive me for long i have found you and now if you please we will discuss matters in a proper business-like form End of chapter 68 Recording by Gaby Cowan